Okay, well, welcome back to Writing Muse and Writing Mentor. I'm Jeanette de Beauvoir, and today's episode is a little of each. It's on the muse side and it's on the mentor side. We're talking about mystery fiction and how it came about into the genre that it is today. So as you probably know, essentially the first, the first mystery fiction was written by Edgar Allan Poe in his first C. Auguste Dupin story, which was published in 1841. And not long after that, in 1887, we see the first appearance of Sherlock Holmes. And this is where, where mystery kind of took off, where you've got these enticing um, puzzles that are solved by these dashing detectives. Of course, to be enticing to a large audience and to fit into newspapers and magazines which is where they first appeared, they did not come out as books, detective fiction stories had to be able to be read quickly, they had to deliver a satisfying ending, their plots had to be entertaining, but the truth is they were also very easily forgotten. Considering the expansion of the genre, however, and the excitement surrounding Sherlock Holmes, it does seem that this, these early stories were a wild success. But as I just mentioned, at the same time that the stories were convenient, they were not particularly memorable. Um, those that were easily accessible often had absolutely no redeeming value in the sense of having no themes of lasting consequence that made them worth reading for any reason other than entertainment, which is not to be sneered at, but perhaps it's not the only reason people read. The genre served largely to divert but did little else that was interesting or helpful. And the common, that common lack of serious themes stems from this view of morality and of humanity and of justice that was very black and white. What we see in these early stories is a host of stock characters. And what we see is criminals um, who pose seemingly insolvable puzzles to the heroes. And then when the detective or the police de defeat the criminal, they dutifully expel that criminal from society, whether through hanging, prison, or exile, so that you and I can sleep safely in our beds at night, safe from disruption. Well, the reader, of course, then is expected to assume that the government or the police force or the detective, whoever's the protagonist in the story, is trustworthy and importantly, should not be questioned. The criminal's always in the wrong, and the criminal must be discovered and defeated by the detective and sort of looking over the de detective's shoulder, the reader. Other stock characters can be suspects, victims, antagonistic innocents, accomplices. They have a purpose, and that purpose is to act as hindrances to society's self-protecting justice. So they serve as distractions, in other words, from the criminal's true identity. But once that identity is found out, based, of course, only on the evidence, and the criminal is caught, society can go back to its moral equilibrium. So in much of this detective fiction, we see reality as really nothing more than a puzzle. If the detective can understand the pieces of the mystery, they can then understand its whole. There's nothing mystical, spiritual, emotional, or unnatural about how the world works. 
everything can be explained. So that was the beginning. The watershed moment. Da-da! Let's have a drum roll. Came with G.K. Chesterton and his protagonist, who was a very unassuming Catholic priest called Father Brown. And to be honest, Father Brown changed everything. Chesterton didn't really care about these standards that the other writers of detection fiction, detective fiction, excuse me, before him had posited as necessary. They said that the material world is all that exists. Chesterton invited people to let go of that premise. And thus, he opened the genre to a host of story and theme possibilities. So let me, let me give you a contrast. For example, when Sherlock Holmes solves paradoxical crimes by denying false clues, Father Brown uses a spiritual understanding of paradox in order to solve the crimes. Where formerly one-dimensional secondary characters would abound, Chesterton gives them purpose by using them to spread emotional, mental, philosophical, religious messages. And in a genre that treats criminals as problems to be solved and enemies to be outwitted, Chesterton urges that criminals be understood personally and empathetically, that they should be treated as equals that they should be understood and not simply defeated. In his book, Bloody Murder, From the Detective Story to the Crime Novel, Julian Simons highlights the initial simplicity of the genre. Since logical deduction was the heart of the detective story, it followed that there was little room for any depth of characterization or any forts of style. Well, I would think Chesterton would answer, the detective story is just a game. And in that game, the reader isn't really wrestling with the criminal. They're wrestling with the author. You see, he was not concerned with simply proposing a puzzle for the reader and was certainly not concerned with proposing a cohesive one, <laughs> as was pretty bitterly noticed by some of his critics. He writes his stories to not just revolve being a puzzle, but to explore ideas. He wants to give readers recommendations as to which ideas and beliefs may be better, making his stories something more than entertainment. And that's a lot of detective fiction writers can't make that claim. Because Sherlock Holmes became so popular, traits of a fictional detective that Doyle either borrowed or invented became commonplace throughout all detective fiction. So Holmes has his Dr. Watson, and Agatha Christie's Poirot has his Hastings, and Dorothy L. Sayers' Lord Peter Whimsey has his Bunter. Poirot is as logical and deductive as Holmes is. Lord Peter is definitely as observant as Holmes is. But all of them are really looking at the same paradigm, which is solve the puzzle, punish the criminal. Chesterton argues that an important principle of good detective fiction is that as the story progresses, the mystery should become less and the readers should become enlightened, that the moment of enlightenment is what's the climax of the story. In 1920, Chesterton wrote an article um, titled Errors About Detective Stories. 
And here's what he said. The true object of an intelligent detective story is not to baffle the reader, but to enlighten the reader, but to enlighten him in such a manner that each successive portion of the truth comes as a surprise. So Chesterton didn't compound mystery on mystery on mystery and try to confuse the reader. Um, He may indulge in confusing paradoxes at times, or you might be distracted by something Father Brown says offhandedly, but the climactic moment of the Father Brown stories are the solutions and not the problems. The point of the stories is not to revel in secrecy or rejoice in problems, but to bring about the moment of illumination to solve the mystery. There's another component that I think is equally important in that Father Brown brought humanity into the genre. Let's start with with the restructuring of the genre. To counter general detective fiction, Chesterton has Father Brown rely far more heavily on intuition than does Sherlock Holmes. Father Brown sometimes starts by looking at hard evidence in his attempt to find the villain, but more often he begins with a vague feeling that something is wrong about a person or place and proceeds with his investigation from there. This is actually a pretty important subversion of detective fiction. Simply solving impossible problems is not good enough. Often for Chesterton's stories to be successful, Father Brown has to not only conquer the impossible, but he has to understand the impossible. Father Brown was unique to his genre because he viewed criminals differently than most detectives do. To him, criminals are fellow human beings who must be understood. When Father Brown understands the criminals, not only can he defeat them, but he can also help them. Father Brown was the first detective ever to also be a priest, which helps him to see crimes and criminals far differently than Arthur Conan Doyle's Holmes or or Poe's Dupin, where the two others see crimes and criminals as puzzles and puzzlers to be solved and outwitted, encouraging the reader to do likewise, Father Brown sees criminals sympathetically, and he began a whole new brand of intuitive, empathetic detective fiction. His methods allow him to look inside criminals and to think like them. Here's what he says. I had thought out exactly how a thing like that could be done and in what style or state of mind a mind a man could really do it. And when I was quite sure that I felt exactly like the murderer myself, of course I knew who he was. Chesterton's empathetic, intuitive detective makes defeating the criminal secondary. And so while he's fulfilling all the required forms of the story, Chesterton's able to challenge it on the most basic level by transforming it into an example of forgiveness and mercy instead of being just about society's strict justice. He has a detective and he has a criminal, but he argues that they are not as unlike as the reader suspects. This gives him opportunities for new and previously unknown themes in the genre. The word that best describes this style of detection is certainly empathy. 
Father Brown empathizes with all characters and with the supposed criminal, using his knowledge of his own nature to enable him to understand what the killer must have been thinking. He admits his own guilt and by doing so submits himself and the criminals he finds to the judgment of a higher power. His methods suggest that detectives can't be too proud or too careful of their status as society's protectors because they're the same as their prey in everything but committing the crime itself. In doing this, he's taking a classical approach to what makes good literature beautiful. Horace, in The Art of Poetry, writes, The man who has managed to blend usefulness with pleasure wins everyone's approbation, for he delights his reader at the same time as he instructs him. The Father Brown stories accomplish both of the requirements that Horace sets. Chesterton takes a secular genre, detective fiction, and through his own worldview makes the stories both enjoyable and reflective of his understanding of the world. And because Chesterton does delight his audience, as proved by Father Brown's popularity, and does teach, as evident in the incorporated morals and studies of the text, he succeeds admirably in creating beautiful literature. Now, how's that for a twist on the mystery genre? This has been Writing News and Writing Mentor. I'm Jeanette de Beauvoir. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you here next time.